Welcome back to Spark Sessions Podcast. Michelle and I are so grateful that you have joined us again and that you are continuing to listen to the incredible stories that we have to share. Make sure that you have liked, followed, subscribed, and rated us on your podcast platforms and our social media. Please help us get the word out and get as many people listening as possible. Michelle and I share today the conversation that we had with Dr. Meredith Powers, who is an assistant professor at the University of North Carolina Greensboro Department of Social Work. She and Michelle work closely together, and Dr. Powers does a great job of helping us understand the connection between environmental justice and social justice. I learned a lot from Dr. Powers, and I know that you will too. So without further ado, here's Dr. Powers. Welcome, Dr. Meredith Powers, to Spark Sessions Podcast. I am super excited for you to be here since we work within the same university systems and I've gotten to know you a little bit in that realm. And I'm just really excited for our listeners to learn a little bit about environmental justice and what we can do to get out here and make a difference in the world that we live in. So I just want to thank you again for joining us for this episode. Thanks, Dr. Powers. It's really nice to meet you. I think where we'll get started, if it's okay with you, if you'll just tell us a little bit about yourself and then how did you get involved with environmental justice? Like, What was it about that that interests you? Yeah, thanks for having me on today. This is really fun. Um, I would say I probably started way back in childhood. I read this book as a child, probably pre-kindergarten. I just remember going to a book fair and it was called The Wump World. And I guess a lot of other people maybe have more of an experience with the Lorax, sort of a similar theme. But these little wumps, they were like little furry cows, um, if you will. They were like a fictitious character and they had this whole perfect little happy planet And the pollutions from outer space came and um, took over their world and they had to run and hide underground in these little caves and um, the pollutions just, you know, made horrible mess and cities and pollution everywhere. And then all of a sudden it was too polluted for even them to live there. And so they decided to go scout out other planets and then they finally left. And at the end of the book, there was this one little like sprig of grass or, you know, a plant growing up between the broken concrete. And the wumps were kind of venturing out of the cave. And I guess that as a young child, like it just impacted me so much that, it, you know, it wasn't just about um, a human species, if you will, for an environmental justice context, but that the whole planet, um, you know, all of the species, the whole ecosystem, it's really about justice for the whole picture, not just for humans. So I don't know, I, I guess I got really passionate about recycling. I kind of helped lead like the recycling club in high school. I was one of those cool kids, right? <laughs> Um, labeled as a tree hugger, but I was, I was loving the label. I was happy with that. And yeah, you know, they didn't even do curbside recycling at, at our, you know, houses back then. So they just introduced those curbside, you know, recycling. And I was helping my parents learn how to recycle and, you know, what to you know sort out. And at the recycling club, club at school, like we literally had to pick, go as a student group to go and pick up the recycling, um, in each classroom and then transport it to a place downtown. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that was one of our volunteer roles. So um, I guess I was just always thinking that was kind of one of my passions that I was excited about. But when I started college, I took a class within the humanities categories, right? You get to pick one. And as an undergrad, I was clueless as a freshman what I wanted to do in the world. And I happened to pick a social work class. And I just I absolutely loved it. I was like, this is me. This is so perfect. Loved the social work class, took social work classes the whole undergrad and, you know, probably progressed through the the curriculum a little out of sync with most people, um, but really enjoyed it, loved it, worked with um, immigrants and refugees 
for my field internship and really got passionate about that as well. And I traveled abroad a little bit and always thought I would probably live abroad. But the more I started realizing that I could be sort of a welcoming presence here in the United States for those who were coming um, as immigrants and refugees and coming under duress and crisis and to be a welcoming presence. So that was sort of where I, I got into the social work world. And during my master's program at Chapel Hill, um, I was also doing internship and working, possibly thinking about taking over um, as the director was wanting to retire um, of World Relief in High Point. And it was a refugee resettlement program. And so I, I did my internship while I was also um, getting some, some work in during the master's program and just loved working refugee resettlement and immigration services and loved working with volunteers and getting them involved. Um, and I just didn't really understand quite the connection to environmental justice at that point. It wasn't something that I had been taught, at least not that I was aware of. Maybe now that I'm a professor, I'm sure that I teach a lot of things that my students never catch. <laughs> right. We can, and I'm like, we can both me? relate to that. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. can both relate. So I, I don't want to knock any of my wonderful professors in undergrad, but I didn't catch it until I had a course on sustainable development with one of my favorite professors, Dee Gamble. And so in that course, I was like having this epiphany or this aha, like, oh my gosh, I always thought that my passion for like save the trees and my social work, social justice passion for save the children, if you will, were kind of separate. And it was in this course that I had this understanding that you could save the trees so that you could save the children and you save the children so that we save the trees. Like it's a symbiotic, you know, inextricable um, possibility that you, you can't do one without the other. And so it really kind of opened my eyes. So I would say that was like sort of my first epiphany moment, but I didn't know really how much I was still within a worldview from my, you know, own uh, culture of origin upbringing that was so anthropocentric or human centered. And it was still much more about the justice for the people, really, you know, not so much for the whole ecosystem from, from what then I was able to, once I started into a PhD program, started to understand uh, another worldview or that, that, that I even had a worldview and that another worldview did exist. Many worldviews exist, but this one that I was becoming more familiar with and, and drawn towards was an eco-social worldview, again, where, you know, the whole ecosystem matters, that we're all relatives and that we all you know need to thrive together my awakening if you will to say hey climate justice is so entrenched in all of this um we don't really talk about it as much because it you know we might think of it as more political or economic hardships or you know people are fighting and warring and uh, with different tribal groups or whatever the case may be but if you really trace back the the line of like what are they fighting over it's typically natural resources or the access to like the more preferred land or spaces that they consider even holy, you know, like it's, it's that attachment to place. Why is this environmental justice piece important for now and for our future generations, social workers or not? Like, what does it matter now? So again, it's not a hard sell. Like when I'm talking to social workers who don't necessarily see these connections, they're like, what, you work on environmental issues? Isn't that for the environmentalists? And I'm like, no, this is definitely a social work role and responsibility. We have um, within NASW, we have policy statements on environmental justice. We have policy priorities or social justice priorities within NASW, even within the last couple of years. From an international perspective, we have the global agenda for social work and social development, and it includes, you know, working to promote 
sustainable communities and environments. And so that was the third theme, in fact, of the global agenda for over the last decade. And so we, I wrote a lot of, you know, a lot of what I've been writing and disseminating in that form has been on, on that theme and, and bringing different authors from around the world, community partners from around the world together to create a workbook series that is actually available for anybody who's interested. Um, it's free. We made it open access and it's free to download at ifsw.org and there's three different volumes. So um, again, it's just called Promoting Community and Environmental Sustainability and it's that workbook series. So it's, again, it's a co-edited. My um, author, my co-editor, excuse me, Michaela Winkle is um, amazing. And she brought me in on that project and I said, yeah, let's make it international. And um, we, we found a place to, to do it open access and it's just been, a fantastic, a fun opportunity to learn from so many social workers around the world who are doing this. Like they really are, this is already being done. This is not like, oh, let's start doing this. Let's redirect our profession. No, like this has been since the beginning of time. A lot of the early pioneers in social work worked on the crises that was happening as people moved from more rural areas to these industrialized cities. And then they had that disconnect from land and nature and the food sources and you know, the green spaces that were so nurturing and healing. And then they said, oh, well, let's create parks and recreation. I mean, literally social workers were creating parks, um, spaces. So it's not like we have to start something new. It's that we have to realize this is our roots and that we kind of got away from this as we got maybe a little too focused on clinical and not seeing the whole context and the whole ecosystem. We, as a profession, think about person and environment but it's really the, the political, social, economic. And we really kind of leave the physical environment out of it, that nature and built environment. And those are so critical to our well-being individually and holistically in these you know, systems that we navigate. I don't want people to think of it as a niche. I want people to think of all social work. If you do it with this eco-social lens or worldview, you start thinking, okay, who am I working with? What is the population? What is the community? What's up, what are we up against? And then you see it through a different lens and then you approach the problems in a different way. So I guess, I guess the idea is that we sometimes are so saturated in, in an anthropocentric worldview that is you know, very situated within a growth ideology and capitalism and neoliberalism. And then we get jobs in the structures trying to address the problems that are created by these systems, but then they're still within those structures and within those ideologies. And so you're like, wait a minute, we're just reinforcing the very same problems, even though we think we're striving so desperately hard for the solution. So until we kind of take ourselves out of that worldview and those systems, then we're just gonna kind of keep perpetuating the problem. Yeah, we think of that in terms of racism, right? Like how do you yeah. break down structural racism when structural racism is a part of, of all of our systems? So it's kind of that same idea that once you see something from that point of view, it's very hard to then not see it. Yeah, right. And you have to dismantle those structures and systems if you're going to get at the, the where we see evidence of it, if you have to start up the line. So environmental racism is a huge piece of environmental justice. Um, certainly, people could be oppressed based on you know gender or people group um, or race. And so environmental racism is just this major piece of why or when environmental justice is happening, it is due to race. And that is something that, that folks are definitely working on. And so environmental justice is sort of like how it impacts humans when the environment is degraded or when we're seeing climate change or if there's an abrupt, you know, flooding or hurricane or things like that. 
Um, but it's also like that they don't have the same access to the benefits of nature, like enjoying the green spaces or enjoying, you know, what some people refer to as resources. I'm now again holding myself accountable and saying, no, these are not just resources, but we have a relationship with the environment, a reciprocal relationship. And how can we be, you know, in relationship in a good way? Um, but again, so environmental justice is really focused on the human injustices related to an environmental issue. It just happens to be the environmental issue that is creating an injustice for humans. So when I talk about climate justice or ecological justice, it's a little bit higher of an umbrella that includes environmental justice, but it's the justice for the whole ecosystem, the whole planet, all of the species, the whole inner relationships between them, and how can we create justice and, and do policies and practices and procedures that will perpetuate good, you know, true sustainability, not just like, oh yeah, let's do sustainable development. And really, you know, profit's always going to win in that stance if you're still in that that worldview or those ideologies, if you haven't taken yourself out of those structures. So profits always win in capitalism. That's the whole point. Yeah, exactly. That's why we gotta move in a different direction. Absolutely. You know, I kind of want to shift here because I think what what Chris brought you into that I think is really, really helpful um, sort of in in closing is that you mentioned a lot. You mentioned and talked to us about environmental racism. And I I appreciate you taking those terms and sort of breaking it down, because one of the things that I've noticed in teaching the social justice class is a lot of the students did not realize, for example, effects of gentrification or when there's communities that are placed beside of, you know, landfills, or if we're looking at how some of the things that are happening that are impacting water. And then yes. we're looking at, you know, if we think about Flint, Michigan, right? And the communities that these issues impact. And that's where I think where we see the racism and the Absolutely. other, you know, really come in. And so when we're talking to our listeners about, okay, this is another area that we want you to connect with because it's who we are, right? And everything that you've explained, what do we need to do to get involved? And, and what are some things that, that we can do? Because again, I, I think if you're privileged enough to not experience some mm -hmm. of those injustices that you mm -hmm. often don't think that they're happening or that they're impacting people. And there's yeah. so many areas here that, yeah. that we can work. So how would you in, tell our listeners or what do we need to talk about in, in order engaging in some of this activism around these issues in our community? So I guess I would try to think of your listeners as being someone who, like my students in the environmental justice class, like what would I say? How do you get started? I would say, you know, start with yourself, first of all, kind of assess your worldview and say, you know, where am, where do I lie on this spectrum of worldviews and how sustainable is it? Identify your own worldview and become more aware and practice mindfulness. I really help, uh, help my students to really develop those skills and um, to be more mindful, especially if they do come from places of privilege to see where environmental justice is, is happening in the world and, and right there, you know, in their own communities, even if they're not facing it themselves. Um, and then maybe to find something that kind of perks their passion, you know, like for me, it was working with immigrants and refugees and being a welcoming space, but also then knowing how much I enjoy being refueled when I connect with nature outside in natural spaces and realizing that people don't have the same access and, you know, equity in that. And what could I do to improve those opportunities? 
that's sort of where I would say, you know, to start is start with yourself, start, you know, with some mindfulness and some learning tools, but then also don't stop there. Like you, you know, it's not just about individual behavior change and about, you know, Hey, let's all recycle that plastic bottle. While that's still important, it's not going to make much of a dent. We need to change the structures, the systems that are continuing to perpetuate these problems and that are honestly, um, we're part of the problem. Like we, we can't keep pretending that we're not. I would be interested in learning more because I feel like this is an area where, you know, I, I struggle. I struggle to know how to connect with it. Maybe we can absolutely even have you back and talk about some more community initiatives and that we can seek out maybe volunteers or, you know, just give people some very tangible, other tangible ways to, to really get involved. So we thank you so much for your time today and, and all the work that you are doing and just, you know, reminding us to continue to be mindful about, you know, the space that we live in and, and also the peace and the healing that we can get from our environment is a takeaway for me to really, to really think and be more mindful about. Thank you. Thank you both for having me on and thank you for doing this this series. This is a fantastic resource. Do you know any activists or doers that you would like for us to highlight on this podcast? If so, let us know. Or if you just want to keep in touch, connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Spark Sessions Podcast or on Twitter at Spark Session Pod. Thanks, y'all.